Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Listening colour. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Damien Bradfield, co-founder and chief creative officer of WeTransfer, the file-sharing platform, and we present the digital arts and editorial platform. After running a fly-posting and leafleting business, working with luxury brands including Alexander McQueen and Stella McCartney, Damien spent a decade in advertising before setting up digital design studio Present Plus. In 2010, he joined the WeTransfer founding team, Dutch entrepreneurs Baz Behrens and Nalden, who'd built WeTransfer to solve the problems they face when sending large, design-heavy files over the internet. Setting up the company's US offices, Damien then created its digital arts and editorial platform, WePresent, featuring work by musicians, filmmakers, photographers and designers, and aiming to tell, as Damien says, weird, wonderful, unexpected stories celebrating the extraordinary impact of creativity. WeTransfer, a B Corp certified company, now has over 80 million monthly active users. And to give one example of their creative collaborations, the We Present Film Commission, the Long Goodbye, won Best Live Action Short Film at the 2022 Oscars. Not bad. It's very nice to have you here. You, you don't live in London. We happen no. to be recording in London. You live in Amsterdam. Yep. And WeTransfer came from Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Tell me why Damien... Still is in Amsterdam. Still is in Amsterdam, but I mean, yeah. it's origins. It's, yeah. it's place of origin. Tell me why the values of Amsterdam, the values of WeTransfer, and the values of Damien Bradfield are so aligned, if they are. So WeTransfer did start in Holland. It's still very much headquartered out of the Netherlands, but we have offices in LA, New York, and London. And probably the biggest part of the culture of WeTransfer is the sort of cross-section, I think, between the Anglo-Dutch relationship that we have in the company. And that's sometimes positive and it's sometimes detrimental. So the positive side of it is that I think we've been truly supportive of the creative community for 13 years because we generally love the space. The downside of it is that I think we were perhaps too observant, not aggressive enough, too patient, too anti-tech, which had the company started in America, we would be a very different business today. We would be much more like Box or Dropbox. Um, But I think because of the sensitivities of being a bit more thoughtful in, in the relationship with our users and the, the contributors. I think it's given us this amazing brand, but it's also meant that, you know, we're not a super billion dollar business that Dropbox and Box and those other competitors are. It's interesting you say that, though, because one of your books, which I happen to have read. Uh, the <laughs> did Tr- you read the whole thing? I did read the whole thing, back to back, The Trust Manifesto. Thank it's you. really good, nice cover as well, and, very, and really well written. And it's kind of a book of, I would say, three parts with the interviews True. being a different thing, your beginning, the beginning piece, which is kind of a, a sort of an interesting ramble yeah. in a way, just like, here's my thoughts. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Now let's get into... Oh, you really did read it. No, I really did read it. There's sometimes people say, I've read your book. Yeah. And they, they haven't read it. They've given... Someone's given you them also, a... You comment on the colour of the cover because... I like the colour. So Penguin designed it and told me that they wanted to do something a little bit different and interesting. So it's this bright green, almost luminescent colour. <laughs> and then they told me that green is the worst selling cover. Oh. Colour of a cover you could ever have. Well, I like the colour because I'm, Thank I don't you. know, I like bright things. But in the book, a couple of things come out and it's why I asked that question about your own values. You talk about people first as a, an approach. You talk about creativity second and you talk about technology third, which I think is a really nice paradigm 
which you say actually in the way you just talked about we try to say but that stopped us being a billion dollar business or a multi-billion dollar business it strikes me that there's a conflict of values that you have and that we transfer having the, the guys that set it up as a group of people with the notion of making huge amounts of money just because you can and and that's the thing I'm interested in when I think about your values, which is where I, where I started. Obviously, your background's in advertising and you've done a bunch of other things and you're a creative person. But today, how do you square that off from a business point of view? Are you happy you haven't been greedy for data? Or are you unhappy that the IPO didn't happen and that you could have all been sitting there on your own personal okay, island? You covered all the bases. Sorry. Um, so going we can, back... We can, we can unpack it all, of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy and very comfortable and firmly believe in this notion that without great people empowered to be creative, you can't produce anything fantastic. However, that requires time. And in the tech sector, there wasn't any time. Everyone was in a rush to produce something and get from you know zero to a million in a space of minutes. So amongst the investment community, that was a challenge. You know, It was certainly a challenge in us raising funds in the beginning which meant that we actually couldn't raise any money until 2015, until we demonstrated that actually this way of working does actually work and we were profitable and, and everybody else wasn't. Profitability just wasn't something that people were interested in tech, it was growth. Today, it's a completely different story. Profitability is very important today, but it wasn't back then. So you're from the agency world. The reason I think I understand the importance of good people is because I come from the agency world. And we were talking about it at the beginning, I started at a company called Delaney Lennox Warren, and I really do believe that they understood the importance of good people. And if you're selling creative talent, it's people. And if you don't look after them well and you don't give them that space to be creative, they're never going to be able to do it. They're never going to be able to create great things. I think there was a heavy reliance on technology that if you empowered great engineers to just make things, you would be able to maximize revenue. That was true. It's not any longer. And I'm really proud that we took a direction that I think is the longer-term direction that I believe is playing out in our favor. And it was all about you know, giving people respect, not treating them like users, treating people as if they're customers as much as you possibly can when you're you know, in 192 countries and 80 million users. WeTransfer, to me, is, is so part of my own experience of the internet that I probably assume that Anyone listening might have the same. Just in your own words, describe what WeTransfer does. I mean, it is blindingly simple, but just, again, if people haven't heard of it, what would you tell them, Damien? So the WeTransfer that most people know is really just an enabler. We enable files to be sent from one place to another. The WeTransfer that most people don't know is that we have a drawing app called Paper and we have a presentation tool called Paste and a mood board tool called Collect. And we have this platform called WePresent, which is really, I think, the soul of, of WeTransfer. It's, it's morphed over the years into different things, but what it is today is really a beautiful inspiration source, I think, of super rich stories around the world that I think is the most differentiating thing about WeTransfer as a brand. And you celebrate creativity. You invest yep. in creativity emotionally and, I guess, financially, because yep. that's the model. And you mentioned as well the point, well, I kind of set up that, you know, you said we could have been bigger and all that, but actually I feel like you're comfortable as a group of people that you didn't go treating people like users and you didn't think about extracting, as you, again you've used in your book that phrase, yeah. extracting value from individuals. I briefly mentioned there was 
the 2022 attempted IPO. I, as having personal experience of exactly the same thing, uh, it's you know it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster looking at being inside of a business that's looking at doing that. What were you going to use the funds for? What was the if you're personally? <laughs> I was going shopping. <laughs> he's sporting, I was going to buy. I was going to buy art. He's sporting it. very nice knitwear over here, so he's, he, he yeah, probably knitwear, would wear art, art, all that stuff. But apart from you personally, what were the <laughs> what was the the purpose of raising the money as a business and as an endeavour? That's the bit I'm interested in. And what does that say about the vision of We Transfer? So the minute that you take on an investment, there has to be an exit, and the choice is whether you exit to you know, another investor that carries it for a few years or you exit to a private office that carries it for 20 years or whether you exit to a private equity company that probably rips out all the soul and heart and uh, tries to milk it for everything that they can. The IPO felt like the best of all of those options and putting it, I think, in the hands of, you know, the man on the street, woman on the street, seemed like the best way for us to be able to ensure that what we transfer represents would carry on hopefully for eternity. As you said, we're a B corporation. We have a foundation. 1% of our revenue goes towards supporting emerging artists. A lot of those things were deliberately put in place before we IPO'd, hoping that in the hands of the general public, they would remain and they'd be sort of respected. And I'm optimistic in thinking that going forwards, we as individuals, investors as individuals, will be looking at companies that behave well as opposed to just behaving well financially. I mean, they're ethically good as opposed to just being financially strong. But in terms of raising money and having, as you said, those shareholders, the man and the woman on the street, yeah. was the intention then to continue to grow in the same way? In other words, we're not going to extract, we're going to still give value. Was it going to be just more of the same or were there other things that you wanted to do that weren't counter to your initial mission as a business? I mean, we're always investigating other things. The thing that we transfer has that other companies don't in our space is the brand. So we have a pretty well-respected brand. We have an awful lot of trust. The book that I wrote was all about trust, and I think what we managed to create serendipitously, it wasn't deliberate. We just did something that we felt was intrinsically right. With that trust, I think you have permission to do many things. And I think we have the permission to move into a lot of different fields within the creative sector where we can add value and that's, that's what we, we'd like to think that we do. We enable you know, the files to be transferred somewhere. We enable somebody to be inspired through We Present or th- to be able to draw and illustrate something through paper. There are so many spaces that we could explore where we could play a role, I think, in the creative process. And that's all the way from inspiration to delivery. So whether we IPO or not, we transfer. I hope, is going to morph into a sort of household name in the creative sector for representing many different things. Much more coming up from my guest, Damien Bradfield, in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Jazz FM, and he is my business shaper today. Right now, we're going to hear a clip, though, from the Michigan Academy Digital Sessions. They can be found on all the major podcast platforms. MDRX Tech CEO Tom Grogan and COO Sean Rodway talk about the metaverse, what it is, why companies would wish to explore it, and the potential risks that we should be aware of. The Michigan Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. So you mentioned that the metaverse can improve top line and bottom line. Tell us about some ways that it can improve the top line for a business. So we're seeing businesses use the metaverse in a number of ways to drive new revenue. So take a retailer, for example. 
data might tell them that customers that shop in store rather than customers that shop online have a higher spend and are therefore more profitable for the company. Those retailers are investing in more experiential, more immersive shopping experiences. Why can't a retailer use technology such as augmented or virtual realities to tell a more bespoke, unique story to its shoppers as they walk through the door? Why can't every person's experience when they walk through an expensive central London piece of real estate be told their own story that's tailored to their own unique likes, dislikes, fashion preferences from the moment they walk through the door. All of these sorts of things are possible using metaverse technologies, and we're really only seeing the tip of the iceberg in making that happen. Another way that a organization or an individual might drive new revenue, improve their top line using metaverse is by achieving scale that just isn't possible in the physical world. We're seeing some high profile examples recently of musicians who are able to sell vast, vast numbers of tickets to their online concerts that would be infeasible and certainly prohibitively expensive were they to try and run it in person in the physical world. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. My guest today is Damien Bradfield, co-founder, chief creative officer at WeTransfer, the content sharing platform, and we present the digital arts and editorial platform. I've sort of tried to get to the sense of this, this vision thing and, and you, Damien, because obviously everyone has their, their journey and you've come to WeTransfer. And it's funny, it's... I think of it, and I, f- I feel like it's been around forever, but it hasn't. It's just, as you said, it's sort of 13, 13. 13 years. There was something about the book, and again, what I know that you're trying to at the business, which is around this notion of responsible technology. Technology used for, for good, but, but not good in a completely earnest way, just not bad. I mean, it can be the opposite of just not doing bad things, malevolent yeah. things. We felt our way along. We trusted our instincts. We listened to the golden rule. That's how I think you talked about the mantra, if there was a kind of an unwritten manifesto or an unintended, I can't remember the phrase exactly, sort of if we had to write something, it would be that. What's the golden rule? I can't remember. Is there a golden rule for you, I guess? Is there a sort of a thread that that you go, if there's anything I do, it's going to be characterized by a certain way of doing things? I do think that it's long-term. I haven't done anything myself where I've tried to achieve something in the short term that's been really successful. It doesn't give me any meaning it's no reward. I think anything that we're doing, it needs to be ideally, at least with the ambition of it being around for the long term. And as I'm getting older, I'm thinking about how it outlives me. You know, the things that we set up with the, the Supporting Act Foundation, I'm very consciously thinking about, you know, what is this like for my kids or for beyond me? And in our space, again, in the tech world, it's being thought about more today than it was previously, but it was not being thought about 10 years ago. It was all about the here and now. I'm pleased you mentioned meaning for a moment because I think, I think that, of course, you're right that there's a discussion about 
good tech, bad tech, about the tech states, as it were, behaving badly, about data being captured. Now, we're, we're more aware of it. And again, in the yeah. book you reference, how can we suddenly wake up and say we didn't see it coming when it's been coming for quite a while, whether it's a conversation about TikTok and capturing data or it's about YouTube's algorithms causing harm and all the, all the other things that are going on right now. But for you personally, you, you have there's a program called Influence, Intuing Influencers, which is part of the We Transfer stable. There's your book, there's the business itself. And I kind of wonder how you describe yourself. When someone says, so Damien, what are you? Are you a business person? Are you an activist? Are you a journalist? What are you? Because I, Or are you a creative person? And I'm not saying it matters, but if you had to pull one out of the hat, what would you start with? Because as I, as I think about you and what you're doing, I kind of see a bit of all of those things. I'm smiling because <laughs> I have this podcast called Influence and we're in the throes of working out what season four should be. And in the discussion, somebody said exactly that question. You're referred to on Wikipedia as a British businessman. Is that how you see yourself? And I was like, firstly, I'm not British. I'm English. And even that I'm having issues with today. <laughs> and secondly, as a business person, I think I'm one of the least successful business people ever. I'm quite good at telling stories. And I'm quite good, I think, at conceptually thinking up ideas and then bringing them to life. And I have a platform where a lot of that can happen, and that's just very fortuitous. So I'm somewhere in between a conceptual artist and a creative. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm not a business person. You heard it here first. Damien Bradford is not a business person, but he's doing quite well considering because he's the chief creative <laughs> officer and co-founder at WeTransfer. Sounds like I want that sort of failure. You talked about creating things and conceptualizing and all that. Often with people that run businesses, they work with lots of people. Are you more independent? You know, there's what a, does that mean? Well, there's a big team. Am I antisocial? No. I, well, are you antisocial? No, yeah, I am, actually, yeah. Are you? So you're, when you're creating, are you more introverted? Is that part of the process for you? So this probably will go down like a lead balloon, but I really don't like collaborating very much. <laughs> Which is great, because WeTransfer is not about collaborating at all. It's brilliant. But that's very honest. I think it's and I know deeply what you mean. overrated. Yeah. So you, pref that you like creating ideas solo? I need to be on my own. I think I need to be alone with an idea to think it through and to selfishly sit on it before I'm willing to share it because, you know, sometimes it can be death by a thousand cuts. And I'm deeply anxious about that. So initially, yeah, I want to be on my own. I don't want to talk to anybody about anything. And then slowly I'll start revealing something. But I certainly don't want to open up a Miro board or where the collaboration tool there is and throw all my ideas in there so that everyone can comment and give me advice. <laughs> what happens though, Damon, because I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I present as an extrovert, but I'm exactly the same when it comes to creativity. I find it very difficult to create in a room with anybody. I'd like to start exactly there. I don't react very well when people start to destroy my brilliant quote-unquote ID. How do you react? Well, you use the word destroy. Yes, I did. It's slightly loaded, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, how dare they comment on my idea? <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. A comment isn't, isn't destruction no, so, necessarily, but that's how you interpret it. Thank to you. be frank, it's not true. too dissimilarly, unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a bit oversensitive, um, depending who it is. So, I mean, there, is, there are people that I work with closely who I'm really happy to share stuff with really early, and I really value their opinion, and I think they can constructively give me feedback that I appreciate. Whether it's positive or negative, it doesn't have to be all positive. <laughs> Preferably. Is there a muse, though, joking aside, is there someone who you always know you will, will, will be protective of your own ideas, will understand how your, where Damien's mood is, and will be able to give you feedback that, that you'll hear? 
Yeah, it, definitely, yeah. But it really does depend on the work, you know, what it is that you're talking about. So, you know, if it's film, it might be something completely different to a podcast. It can also totally depend on the weather. So if I don't want to share something, then I will not do that and I'll sit on it and then I'll surprise everyone with something that so it's not everybody that, else hates. Look, you see Mercurial, which is no bad thing, and most creative people are in, in some ways. I used to have a, a tennis coach that called me Wurzel Gummidge. And for those people who don't know Wurzel Gummidge, he had many heads. Yeah. I'm a bit like I'm not that. not sure if that's a compliment. No, it was not a compliment at all. It was a terrible insult. Sometimes I'd turn up, I was <laughs> yeah. great. Others, I was rubbish. I think I'm the same when I, when I work with people. How do your team manage that? How do you manage that? Because you are in a business, and yes, you're pretty. it sounds like you're pretty independent. You set your own agenda, and people listen to Damien. But when you have to be collaborative, how does that play? I'm trying to remember the last time I was. So <laughs> I guess when, when, when we are, no, I'm, I am joking a little bit. I do collaborate sometimes, but my, if you ask my team, they probably say that I don't. And But they tolerate you. Yeah, because luckily I've had a few wins. So right. if you have a few wins under your belt, then, then it's okay. There are certain projects that we've done exceptionally well at, that have done very well, that had I asked permission or had we had discussions around them, there is no way they would have got to where they are. Case in point, the long goodbye with Riz Ahmed. If I had presented that to the board up front before that film was storyboarded or scripted, they would never have approved it. The board saw that film the day it went live. That was it. There was... And, how, and how did you manage that? Because people often, I, I want to talk about measurements in a moment, but people want to know, how did you, and there's governance in business, how did you get away with that? Uh, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you know, people say, well, Elliot, there's a process, and what we do is we go from A to B to C. How did you avoid any approvals or disapprovals of such a big project? Until This used to be something I live by. It's getting harder and harder today, but I always used to say, you have to ask for forgiveness and not permission. We're very lucky that the brand has this phenomenal reputation and we don't spend millions and millions of dollars in production. I won't tell you what the longer buy costs, but it wasn't very much money. So I didn't need to go and ask anybody permission to do it. We, were, you know, we have a budget, we're working to you know, what it is for the year and the things that we want to produce, have a great team, they execute it and we'll share stuff when it's, when it's ready to be shared. And sometimes that's early and sometimes it's late. The long goodbye was just very late. For those of you that haven't watched it, it's quite an intense 10-minute film. He's one of my favorite actors. He's extraordinary. No, he's amazing. And Neil, the director, is amazing. He came from Top Boy. They're, they're, they're going on to great things. I mean, they, they won an Oscar. Um, they are going to go on to great things together, I think. Um, but it's, a, it's an intense film, you know, and a lot of people question why on earth would we transfer have anything to do with a film like that. Um, it's not about the fact that we're endorsing, you know, uh, a particular movement or whether we think that, you know, a film about racism in post-Brexit Britain is really fundamental to we transfer. We believe that there are stories that need to be told and we want to empower those creatives to tell them. And Riz is just one of those amazing actors, musicians, artists who is to be quite honest, should be given carte blanche to just produce something because he won't let you down. Stay with me for my final chat with Damien Bradfield, my guest today. And we've also got some Louis Armstrong. That's a delicious cocktail, I'm sure. It's all coming up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Damien Bradfield's my business shaper just for a few more minutes. We talked about a lot of things 
and you talked about sneaking the long goodbye through without showing anyone until it was live. How are you measured? Firstly, yourself financially. I mean, I'm talking about a boring financial metric, not an ethical metric, not a creative metric, not a brand metric, but just financially. How does Damien get measured in terms of what he delivers for, for we transfer? Because it's hard to say that delivered X because there's lots of things that you do which add huge amounts of value. But do they just let you do stuff? Is that the truth? Uh, yeah, a bit. But I mean, they is also me. Yes. So you yes. know, we, I think, collectively understand that there are some things that are a longer play that you know, need to have some space to grow and to test as to whether or not they work. At the end of the day, we're a business. You know, I can prove that my sales team is out there selling advertising on WeTransfer. We have a beautiful advertising platform. I think we sell some of the most beautiful ads in the world. And I'm almost 100% certain that the reason that we sell to all the luxury goods brands of the world is because of the caliber of the creativity that we put out. There is no way that Chanel and Richemont or all those large groups would want to be on WeTransfer if we were knocking out the usual branded content, top 10 tips of how to make a, you know, SEO better or to how to perform better at podcasting, you know, whatever it is, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the type of advertiser that we do. So I think there's proof in the advertising revenue we generate. There's also a lot of verbatim that we get back from users saying that they, they love the respect that we put into creativity. They want to be associated with us. And we hear it all the time from artists. We just announced that Russell Tovey is our guest curator for the year. You know, Russell wrote one of the nicest pieces I think a brand could ever uh, expect from an artist, you know, that we had given him permission to just go off and make a film about something that he feels very passionately about. He's making a documentary about a guy called David Rubilliard, who's an exceptional artist that died of HIV AIDS and uh, almost got forgotten. And, you know, we just uh, facilitated uh, Russell to go off and do this thing. And what he said about us is amazing. What Marina Abramovich has said about us is amazing. And these are all examples, I think, where we've given those artists space and not got in the way of their process. And the artist is grateful and our users are grateful. And if you're a brand in creativity, there is no greater win than that. And thinking about your own view of your prognosis of where technology has brought us to, exploitation of data, um, unsafe places to go, not enough public spaces. You've used analogies before about how long it took for landowners to have land taken away and given back to the people and, and all these other things. Firstly, are you positive about the future of all of that? Yeah. And secondly, what role does creativity, that, and the kind of creativity you've just described and the space that you give to creativity, what role does that play in affecting the kind of change that you want? I mean, so these are massive topics. So firstly, I wrote a book when I was angry about the way that tech companies were treating data. I'm over it because it's down to us. And I think the way that we act and interact with technology and data and privacy and all the rest of it is shameless. We're to blame. It's not the tech companies. We are, to be frank, untrustworthy when it comes to data and devices and everything else. We're creating the problem. And um, if anyone's going to fix it, it's going to be us, but we're incapable of doing it. So I dread to think where that ends up. From a creative point of view, I think I was really pessimistic about AI and its effects on creativity, but actually I'm really optimistic. Having spent a lot of time recently investigating what's possible and looking at different companies, I think AI, again, much like the algorithms that determine what you're going to read, can only detect and determine what happened in the past. It can't 
detect and predict what's going to happen in the future. And great creativity is all about intuition. And I think the faster we can educate our kids to understand what stimulates them and to give them the confidence to be passionate about things that they physically and mentally believe to be important, I think that we're going to be fine when it comes to creativity. And actually, it's going to be there's going to be this massive gap between the work that's produced by AI and the work that's produced by great creatives understand their intuition. And I'm really excited to see what that looks like. I think we're going to see real you know, black and white in terms of work that's coming out. It's been great having you here, Damien. I hope it's okay being interviewed rather than interviewing. Um, it's been great, thanks. I've really, really enjoyed it and, um, and good luck with everything. I think your, the AI point is a really interesting one. I haven't thought about it like that, intuition versus the stuff that is going to be derivative. Just before I let you disappear, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So my song choice is from Kamazi Washington, Harmony of Difference. Uh, the song is Truth. It really represents a moment for me with We Transfer, where we just started in LA and we were working with some amazing artists and our relationship with Giles Peterson from BBC Radio 6. And a previous guest here. And a previous guest here culminated in this amazing event that we put on uh, downtown in LA. And Kamazi was one of the performers along with George Clinton and Bad Bad Not Good and Sarah Creative. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm talking about it. It was, a, it was just a beautiful moment in time and something that I will never forget. Kamazi Washington there with Truth, the song choice of my business shaper today, Damien Bradfield. He talked about being in it for the long term. We Transfer has always thought about the long versus the short term, a really important distinction. He talked about giving creativity space, how critical that's been in his business and for himself and the way that he works. And really important, in fact, in any business, whether you're intrinsically creative or not. He talks about it being down to us in terms of the way that we use the internet, in terms of the way that we choose to share information about ourselves, which ends up as somebody else's data. And the lovely last thought I want to leave you with that he said, great creativity is all about intuition. So don't over-engineer it. Really good stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.